Listening Dog Media. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen, and Kate Borsay. Hello, it's that time of the week again. It's the Offside Rule podcast with myself, Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay. Hello. And Hayley McQueen. Oh, hello. <laughs> I don't know how many weeks we've got left, but it's not many, is it? It's only a few weeks. Uh, hasn't it rattled by this season? It has. And happy birthday, Lindsay <gasps> Hooper. The ladies <laughs> celebrated the turning of age another year older. I know. But another year wiser. Yeah. She pretty much celebrated by eating raw meat right in front of my face. I am a vegetarian. And you share a birthday, by the way, with Richard Keyes. Do I? Wow. Lucky him. (laughs) Lucky him indeed. Um, Let's also reflect Man United, Aston Villa, 20th title. You must be a happy bunny. Very happy indeed. Thank you very much, Robin Van Persie. Well worth every single penny. Mm. I'd have paid twice that amount for him as well. Two minutes in and you see that goal and you think that's it. It's all over. Two minutes on the clock. What a great time of the season to recapture your scoring form, eh? Hayley, I know that you're chuffed. In terms of Man United seasons, where does it rank? Well, I don't actually think this has been an amazing Manchester United team. It hasn't been like the blistering football with the excitement of Ronaldo and just bursting through defences. I don't think City or United have been as strong this season as they have the last few seasons. They've still had that battle, there's been that rivalry, and you'd think just by looking at it, if you didn't know Manchester United, I don't know where these people are, but if there is anyone out there and you told them what a football league table was, you would think you were watching this absolutely unbelievable Mm -hmm. team who were just playing everybody off the field... And it hasn't been that case. And just genuinely, it's not down to the team effort, which it has been the last few seasons. It's pretty much down to Robin Van Persie. I think that's a bit much on his shoulders. I think he had a great season, but I think people like Michael Carrick had a a fantastic season for you this year. I think that's been his best in a Manchester United shirt. And actually, it's just because I love him so much. I'm just bigging up the RVP as my MVP. But um, yeah, Carrick is amazing. He's been in my fantasy football since the beginning. And if I did fantasy football for the last few years, I would have had him every single season. I love him. I think he's brilliant, completely undervalued. England fans don't understand why he's selected. Man United fans don't understand why he's not selected. It's just one of those kind of battles, isn't it? And this season, he's really, really shone. It's looking very exciting for the future in Rio in particular. Uh, do you know as well, coming back to my birthday briefly, what Kate Borsay bought me? No. Tickets to see England. 
against Republic of Ireland. Mm, nice friendly game for her to wrap her chops around. So yeah, myself, Lindsay and Faye Carruthers are going to go and watch the football. So the offside rule does an England international at Wembley. Thank you very much. Um, let's also reflect on some other big stories. I can't let this podcast go <laughs> without talking about the biter, the chomper, the man himself, Luis Suarez. What did we make of that incident? Your thoughts first, Hayley. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it, where you just think, oh, for goodness sake, it happens, you can't believe it, and then you think, I can't now believe this is all I'm going to be reading for the next few days, and just really puts a dampener on everything, just as things in football are starting to hopefully brighten up. We've had the Millwall fans and hooliganism, we've had a few high-profile racism cases, and you think, right, we're coming to the fun, exciting bit towards the end of the season where all the talk should be about football, but it's not. It is, again, controversial troubles uh, with a controversial troubled player, I think. A 10-game ban as well, Kate. A big ban and a worthy ban, I have to say. I'm a Liverpool fan. I was as shocked as everyone else. I didn't see it live, but I did, of course, see all the clips afterwards. He was rattled, wasn't he? And this in no way excuses it, but he was rattled by giving away a handball at the other end. Clearly, and I know everyone uses this phrase, the red mist, but he was clearly not within the realms of his normal mind. Um, I think he's a very complex character. We know that he's come from nothing and we know that he's an incredible fighter. Um, my sources behind the scenes at Liverpool, when he wasn't selected for every game, he would always ask Dalglish at that time, what about me, boss? Can I play, please? You know, he's always, always intent on playing. There is a side to that character. There is a side to that personality that I think is inherently flawed. Um, Dr. Steve Peters, very respected psychologist there at Liverpool uh, needs to look at that side to his character. Part of me says, you know, if they know that he's done this before and he did it before at Ajax, what's the psychological testing there like? Why hasn't this been looked at before? Because we know that when he gets rattled, he does inexplicable things. We know he has that side to his personality. So I'm not going to overtly criticise Liverpool because I don't know what they have been doing with him, but I would like to question and flag up the psychological care side of it. We've actually got a different take on this Suarez topic, so it will crop up again later on in the podcast. It's been part of Twitter Topic of the Week, and if you've been following us at Offside Rule Pod, you'll know that we've been putting out and soliciting for your tweets all week. Uh, We are available to download every single Thursday the Offside Rule podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes, and it's worth mentioning what we've got on today's agenda. There's been so much to get through, so I do apologise we've had a bit of a ramble at the start, but there's been loads going on. We haven't even got to catch up on Haley's James Milner's story. Yeah, James Milner Foundation, where he works with NSPCC, Help for Heroes and um, Leukemia and Lymphoma Research. Big party after a golf day, his inaugural golf day. He didn't even play golf because he's injured. He was slightly <laughs> worried about that, about being caught out on the golf course yeah. when he's injured playing football, but he can play golf, but he didn't. He was handing out the trophies, having lots of fun. A lot of the City boys up, of course, the day after Manchester United won the title, just still having a laugh, out with the party partners having fun nobody was really talking football it was just all about the sportsmanship and the team spirit out on the golf course pretty much most of the squad turned up for the day a lot of them turned up on the evening not all of them um all sat around with the wives and girlfriends at the end of the night there was a few drinks flowing i think it has to be said particularly with the wives and girlfriends they do like <laughs> a drink they're a fun bunch them lot and they're not like typical wags either they actually are really good fun shoes off handbags thrown in the corner there was thousands of pounds worth of uh, handbaggage in <laughs> in the middle of a circle of the dance floor <laughs> i was quite enjoying that as i threw my little uh, top shop leatherette number in <laughs> 
into the mix and dancing around, having fun with Milner up there, having a bop. Joe Hart kind of going up to the DJ and ruling what music was going out. And Shay Given was given a, a golf club for winning the day and he was kind of swinging that around, having a bit of fun. So, yeah, it was good. Did the McQueen pull out any dance moves? No, I was very careful because there was that one time in Rome where I fell over and had an unfortunate incident in front of a football team, bared my arse, yeah. An experience not to be repeated by Hayley McQueen, and she's very sure about that. Who would you nominate as uh, the most fun, as the most lively of the Manchester City Wags? Kimberly Crew. She's so lovely. Joe Hart's partner. She's a few years older than him, so she's keeping him in check. She's part (laughs) of our 30 crew. She's just a really nice, down-to-earth, fun girl. The female take on football. First, we start with crunch time. Now, for some teams, as we record this in the Premier League, they have four games to go. Some have five games left. So the real interest now, with Manchester United wrapping up the title, the real interest, of course, is in Champions League and also relegation. But we'll start with a look at the top and we'll just pass this microphone around. Um, Who do we think is going to finish in the Champions League places. I think it's pretty easy to say City have got it all wrapped up. But who will join them? Hayley. Battle, of course, between the London clubs at the moment, which is quite exciting. Um, I am actually going to go for Tottenham Hotspur and Chelsea. I'm not going to go for Arsenal. And I think Everton are just out of it. The others have games in hand over them. Villas Boas aside, dark horses. When you look at the odds at the moment, Chelsea 1-4, to Arsenal 2-7, to Tottenham Hotspur 10-11. to Everton are now out at 66-1. to The qualification is really intensified, particularly with Tottenham breathing that fresh life into the challenge. They showed how much they want it with that win over Manchester City. And I just think when you look at the fixtures in particular, Tottenham Hotspur, look at the players that they have in form at the moment as well. Look at Gareth Bale coming back. Look where Arsenal's problems are. Chelsea, yes, they can score. We know they can score. They have a lot of talent. However, I think the season might be already over in their heads and they're already looking to freshen up for for next year and I think it's almost gone for them. But I am going to stick them up there because I just can't see it coming from Arsenal. It's such a tricky one, isn't it, when you look at it? I was thinking Everton for weeks and weeks and weeks and now they've just gone and ruined it for me. Before I hand over to Kate, I'm just going to say that I don't think Tottenham are going to do it. And the reason being is that they face Sunderland, who I think Sunderland under De Canio, they've just got something within them that sort of new lease of life when they have a manager in especially someone as colourful and charismatic as him I I can just see them stealing it 1-0 they play Stoke at the Britannia which is always a a tough fixture where they could come out out with a draw and of course the big one is Chelsea Tottenham and I think at Stamford Bridge Chelsea will just have the edge so I'm I'm actually going to go for Chelsea and Arsenal as it is I'm not going to agree with that I think Arsenal are going to finish in third they are a game in front of the teams in fourth and fifth Chelsea and Tottenham Hotspur as we record this But I like what Arsenal are doing. You know, in the last six games, they've won five and they've drawn one. So their form is absolutely bang on at the moment. I think that they will appreciate and be aware that they've not played to the best of their abilities for a lot of the season. They've been a yo-yo side. They haven't been as as consistent as they need to be. They are now finishing the season in the professional, cool, calm and talented, skillful way that they should have been playing the whole season through. So I'm going to stick with Arsenal. They're also going to benefit from this spotlight being on Chelsea versus Spurs. Mm. And Mm. it means that they can just gently go about their business. I do think... 
it will be Arsenal and Chelsea and Spurs, unfortunately, in that fifth place, which I know they don't want, but I think it would still be a massive achievement this year. Well, I'm going to say that Spurs are going to finish above oh, Chelsea okay. as some sort of uh, a vengeance for last year. The reason why I've put Chelsea to slip down is because they're not consistent enough under Rafa Benitez. They're not performing well enough under Rafa Benitez. They've got two uh, Europa League semi-finals within their fixtures, so there's extra games uh, there to be played if you compare them against uh, the games that, uh, for example, Spurs have got coming up. So I predict Chelsea to fall down. I predict Tottenham Hotspur to finish in fourth. I'd like them to do it. I feel that they deserve to do it. They've got uh, Southampton at home this weekend. Then, of course, that Chelsea Spurs fixture, Stoke. And then, of course, Sunderland at the end of the season. I think Sunderland will be safe by that fixture by the end of the season. So I think Spurs will have them on that one. And we'll wrap up briefly with relegation. I'm just going to start us off by saying every year I tip Wigan to go down. (laughs) Every year they prove me wrong. But this year, I think it might be it, you know. I think this might be the one they go down with QPR and Reading. I think we probably all agree that QPR and Reading now out of touch. Villa have picked up good form. I can't see them not getting some more goals through Benteke. And also Guzan, who we've mentioned before in previous podcasts, he will come to their mercy in goal. Newcastle are the only other team that I think are in danger of really slipping into the mire here. But for me, Wigan this time. Are they going to do it? Are they going to prove me wrong? They've got a game in hand, haven't they, I guess, over QPR, Reading and those above. You do worry that Newcastle have to face Arsenal on the last game of the season. However, with Newcastle playing at home, we know what it's like at St James's Park and they really need the fans to come together at the moment after the trouble. For a little while, I was I was slightly worried about them, but I think the situation that Newcastle are in at the moment, they are just a little bit out of it. I completely agree with you. I think exactly how the bottom three are at the moment... Wigan, QPR and Reading. I just think there's too much quality in that Aston Villa side uh, to go down. And I think Wigan's focus is now, of course, uh, are on a cup final. OK, they might get relegated and lose a cup final. They might get relegated and win it. But I just can't see them staying up. By the way, if you look at the teams above uh, Queen's Park Rangers and Reading, so let's look at Wigan Athletic, Aston Villa, Newcastle United and Stoke City. The worst recent form of those teams is Stoke City. So I'm going to go for a bit of a shock prediction here. They have terrible recent form. The atmosphere there is not good and they're not used to being in this position at this point in the season. Yes, it comes close for them, but they've normally pulled it back by this point, such as Southampton have done and such as I think Norwich have also done as well. So I fear for Stoke City. I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to the Offside Rule We'll move on to topic two, and we're calling this Transfer Twitch. Um, As we've mentioned then, only four or five games for some teams to go in the Premier League, and that means that the summer transfer window feels within touching distance. So I want you both to choose three players that you know will miraculously be finding some good form just before the end of the season, probably with agents and summer transfer moves in mind. So three players each, please. Uh, I will start with Adebayor. You know that I'm going to say this. I'm (laughs) Lindsay Hooper. She's got it in for Emmanuel Adebayor. He is one of the biggest journeymen in football. I always find when he joins the team, he finds his scoring boots. And then there's that middle of the season where he just disappears. And then just as the season's coming to the end, you suddenly see him again. Mark my words, he'll get a couple of goals in these last few games. And that will be with potentially... 
either a negotiation of a deal in mind or a move. Now, I actually don't think he'll move away from Spurs, but I think he probably does want to negotiate and make sure that he claims something ahead of next season. So someone who's always as well on the tip of your tongue when it comes to transfer is Carlos Tevez. We all know what happened last year and the year before. What will happen this year? Who knows? I do expect him to get a few goals for City in the final few games. And I do expect him to potentially move away from the club. I think he might go abroad this summer. I think he might be one of the big transfer moves. It's all gone quiet on the Western Front with Tevez. And I think that's quite a sign, really, of things potentially to come. Because we don't have without a storm in a teacup with him for too long, do we? We don't, but I think it's gone all quiet on the Western Front because I think he knows he's got to keep his head down. I don't fancy him for a move myself. And it won't come to any surprise to either of you two that I did deliberate over some QPR players. I think we probably all have in this topic. Uh, but I haven't. I've gone with a West Ham player and I've gone with Marouane Schmack. <laughs> I'm wondering whether he's wanting to do the whole of London move. Maybe he'll end up at QPR. I do find that he just goes missing. He's someone that I just forget he plays football. I forget he's a Premier League player. Um, people mention him every now and again. I go, oh, Schmack, yeah. Used to be at Arsenal. Used to be on the periphery of the squad. He's never really done anything he usually has like a brace in him at some point he's probably due one for the end of the season and then who knows what will happen over the summer <laughs> sorry Marouane but who would want you darling I mean come on <laughs> oh bless him I feel a bit I hope he's not listening I'm sorry Shamrock these bullies that I work with don't let it ruin your confidence kick on get that brace and get yourself a move pet who needs Allardyce, eh, when you've got McQueen giving you a pep talk? And Kate Borsay, you're following on. Thank you. And as you mentioned, QPR, you can always look at clubs who are on the brink of relegation as potential places to pick your transfer fodder from. Um, I've looked at Blackburn in the Championship, actually. They are in 15th, but they're still only five points away from the relegation places. It's do or die for our David Bentley. Went on loan to Blackburn from Spurs this February. It's hard to believe that he's still a Spurs player. Blackburn was his fourth loan move from Spurs. He's made seven appearances including Blackburn's FA Cup run. He's scored big fat zero. Uh, the Express headline after he played in the FA Cup match uh, between Blackburn and Millwall I think it was, read David a clapped out Bentley. <laughs> Which I thought was really unfortunate. Uh, that indicates what kind of time he's been having up there in the northwest. He needs to get a permanent move sorted out. He needs to go to a championship club. He needs to forget about the pay packet if he's to rescue his career. He's still only 28. You know, he was signed on a six-year contract to Spurs in July 2008. I was just going to say as well, to chip in with that, that it's done no harm, has it, for the likes of Wayne Bridge or Craig Bellamy to step down, put commitment to a side in the championship, get promotion with them and show the quality of players that they are. And I don't think it would harm him to move down, to eventually move back up again. It feels like with Bentley, for me, that he needs a real confidence boost. People call him lazy as well, and you just have to wonder about a player who's happy to sit on the books and enjoy the wages of a Premier League player, but not be of any use to that Premier League club. Now, I'm not accusing him of anything here, but I just think it is you know, very much wake-up time for David Bentley. If he wants to get his career on track, he's got to go for it. Another Blackburn player I've actually picked out, and that's because this guy's had a great season, but his recent performances have shown that he's pulling out a little bit extra towards the end of the season. Uh, that's 23-year-old Jordan Rhodes. He's scored 28 goals domestically this season. You know, Blackburn paid £8 million for him last summer. He, they could ill afford that, really. I mean, it, he's already on it as far as a move is concerned. Five goals in his last seven league games for Blackburn. My next pick, Samir Nasri. 
hardly made a dent in the City team this season, has he? Uh, a move to Paris Saint-Germain has been muted, but isn't a move to Paris Saint-Germain always muted with an expensive Premier League player? You, you just don't know how much the agent's talking there, do you? His manager has fallen out with him, said he'd like to give Nasri a punch after City's 4-0 win against Newcastle. And uh, the City manager said he couldn't understand why Nasri didn't play like that the whole time. Nasri had a great game and just said it was so frustrating. He cost around £24 million in 2011. He's only scored five goals in all competitions this year. And with the impending financial fair play, I'm sure City could do without his salary as well. Hayley? Mine is a player that plays for QPR who was pictured in a Chelsea shirt at a fancy dress party. He, <laughs> it's a Julio Cesar, a David Luiz's birthday bash. He was photographed, unfortunately, in a Chelsea shirt. They all had big kind of fluffy Afro wigs on and just having a bit of a laugh. It wasn't come and get me, Chelsea. Don't I look good in this shirt? It was just a, I'm having fun with my mates around London. Seems to fit in well in London. He likes it. Being linked with a move away to Arsenal. Lots of players at QPR. You could pretty much say half the squad is uh, wanting to be up for sale, obviously, if they get relegated. Huge talent. Put in a number of good performances for QPR, but I think he just needs to stay solid and try and just concentrate on maybe ending with a little bit of pride. It'd be great to have him move somewhere else, but maybe not in the Premier League. Yes, there are talks of him going to Arsenal, but I think possibly back to Italy. I don't know, but he's had such a woeful bat line that we've not really seen mm. the player, have we? Um, and even since Christopher Sambas joined, you know, the bat line at QPR is terrible. Their goal difference in the tables, you know, minus 27. There's, you know, we've, we've just not seen the real player, really. Tell you who we have seen the real player of. Andy Carroll. Suddenly Andy Carroll mm. discovered what yeah. he, where he'd left off at Newcastle that he couldn't find in, in Liverpool. Very, very interesting. Sam Allardyce would love to keep him at West Ham, wouldn't he? I think he realises this isn't going to happen. Will he just go back to Liverpool? Will Brendan Rodgers want him? You might know, Kate. Will he actually then maybe go back up to the northeast, where he feels at home with a club who probably needs someone like him if Newcastle finish just outside the bottom three? It's a massive way wake-up call. The moves and the money has been a big wake-up call for Andy Carroll. The next move isn't going to be for money, it's going to be for football. He's realised what it is like now to get playing for a club, rediscovering that form. He's happy in himself. You can really see that. If Rogers sticks to his guns, I think, and does want Andy Carroll to go, which he has said. I think it would be embarrassing for him to have him yeah. back, whether that's Brendan Rodgers' fault or the hierarchy at the club. I, I think it would be too embarrassing to take him back. £7 million price tag on his head. That's going to have to go down. There's the whole issue, obviously, with Newcastle having sold them to him in the first place. West Ham would love to keep hold of him, and maybe they will, because West Ham have been the side that have helped him rediscover Andy Carroll and his goal scoring there. I think Alan Parr Margie has said Newcastle really lacking in the physical kind of attacking sense. They need a big forward like him. And if he goes back to Newcastle, maybe things will just start to shape for them. The, all the French players are coming in and Andy Carroll looks a bit French. All he needs is a, <laughs> all he needs is a hairband for that ponytail. They'll maybe have a season next season where they can kind of get together, regroup. Andy Carroll will be back home where he belongs. The French players will all be gelled, feeling more at home in the northeast. And was that French? I don't know, wasn't it? Yeah. I'll give you a French uh, a French name for him would be Le Cheveu Longiant. 
which is totally made up, by the way. It means the long-haired giant. Oh, I like that. That is good. I should say the bobbed hair giant, because it has been trimmed slightly, hasn't it? Yeah. So let's stick with QPR, I think, uh, and stick with a player who's had a very troubled season, somebody who is not happy at all. Adult Rapt, he's not happy. His manager's not happy with him. I don't think his teammates are with happy with him. I think he's had problems with... I'm not saying he's got an attitude problem, but he obviously feels like he deserves to be playing football and doesn't like it and spits the dummy out when things don't quite go his way. So I don't think he loves playing in England. I think he's going to move abroad. A loan move, I think we were discussing. You know, he's very patchy at times for QPR. He isn't consistent. There are flashes of brilliance that come from him. And you think, I can see why a manager would want him in the side. However, the fact that he doesn't do that week in, week out, when you know he's capable of it, he almost looks like a lazy player. Like, just come on, pull your finger out. But I think it's just because he isn't enjoying himself. And if you're not enjoying yourself, you're not going to be putting in 100%. He's a very emotive player. He had that fantastic season a couple of seasons Ago, where he was just banging in the goals like no tomorrow for Queen's Park Rangers but he's a very sensitive emotive player and it has to be all about him if he's on the pitch I always think with Tarapt if someone gave him and I think Harry Redknapp attempted to do this at the beginning the freedom that sort of Bale gets at Spurs I wonder what sort of player he would be but there isn't really a side where he fits into that role or I can't see any managers that would give him that role at the moment in the Premier League and that's part of the problem and I think Redknapp tried that a little bit but because he hasn't got the consistency of Bale, it didn't work because he can't deliver week in, week out, and that seems to be the problem. And they haven't had a settled sort of starting 11 where you go, no. right, this is my 11 at QPR. I've got these players in the periphery. We'll have a bit of a rotation. It's been, a, I'm not saying a, a mess and the manager's made a mess of it, but there are so many players. He's tried out so many different systems and formations, and it's just sort of ended up where Tarapt has just kind of got lost in the middle. The non league roundup. Thank you very much for that, ladies. Well, we'll hand over to Faker Others next for a non-league roundup. I will mention before we get to non-league, a few other congratulations. I think we should all do this because we haven't mentioned them on the podcast yet. Cardiff City promoted mm. a second Welsh side in the Premier League. Congratulations to them. And we will also say congratulations to the likes of Gillingham, to Bournemouth. We've had teams being uh, promoted over the last couple of weekends. So congratulations to all who have gone up and Mansfield, who were Blue Square Bet Premier champions and and I'm sure Faye is now going to update us on that and what's to come in the playoffs. I am indeed Lindsay Hooper and what a week for Mansfield Town. Their fifth season in the conference and they've made it back into the Football League. An open top bus celebration over the weekend tops off a great season for the Stags. They needed to win at the weekend against Wrexham to confirm promotion and a Matt Green penalty did exactly that. Mansfield boss Paul Cox has had an absolutely astounding 2013 so far. He got married two days before their FA Cup third round tie with Liverpool. He was then given an Aston Martin by owner John Rand- Bradford after winning a bet, he's now walking round with a bit of a barnet after saying to his players that he wouldn't get his hair cut until they were promoted. I spoke to him the other day. He is booking himself in for the shears. As I record this, he hasn't yet, but he has already started planning for life in the Football League. The players, meanwhile, are on holiday in Tenerife, paid for again by the owner. Nice touch. 
So joy for Mansfield, but unfortunately despair for Stockport. They were the final team to be relegated on the last day of the season after losing 4-0 to Kidderminster. Ugly scenes at Agbra. Anthony Malbon's opening goal sparked a pitch invasion by a small section of Stockport fans. Lee Vaughan was actually punched by a supporter. The players then had to leave the field. The game was postponed for over half an hour. The club are saying that those involved in the trouble have damaged the reputation of their supporters and they are helping police with their inquiries. Uh, We'll turn to more positive matters though and attention turning to the playoffs of course and the first legs of the semi-finals almost five and a half thousand turns up to watch Grimsby lose one nil at home to Newport a potentially valuable 89th minute goal from Ishmael Yukubu means that County take a slender advantage into the second leg at Rodney Parade that game will be played on Sunday so if you're listening after that you'll know the result already the winner of that game will play either Wrexham or Kidderminster at Wembley on May the 5th and it's Wrexham who have one foot in that playoff final after beating Kidderminster 2-1 at the race course ground. Neil Ashton with the winner five minutes from time and again they play on Sunday as well to see which fans are going to be walking up Wembley Way next week. I'll bring you all the details. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Thank you very much for that, Faye, and she'll keep us afloat of what happens in the playoffs over the forthcoming week. Now, Lindsay, we know that you've been uh, a face of the WSL for this season. Uh, You're at the Bristol Academy Everton Ladies game, and there were a lot of goals. There were. I mean, what a great advert for the FAWSL. It was Bristol Academy, so it was it was in Bristol, a windy, windy ground, might I add. 4-3 ended up seven goals we were treated to. Everton ladies, I was really keen to see Tony Duggan again as well, and she she was on fire. But the, the player of the game had to be, for me, the captain of Bristol Academy, and it was Corinne Yorston. She scored two sublime goals, and hopefully if you watched the FAWSL review show on ESPN, uh, you got to see both of them. An inspired performance from a captain. She scored the winner, uh, the free kick. I'm, I'm still dreaming about that because that's what I dream about doing when I'm playing for my little local side. Hit the top right-hand roof of the net. Brilliant stuff. And um, she certainly had tongues wagging about women's football after the game. And it was great to feel that buzz from everyone who is really excited about the Women's Super League this year. Uh, I'm going to use the WSL show to inspire our third topic for this week because when I was at Bristol Academy, I met the manager, Mark Sampson, and we did a a quick chat and an interview in the dressing room beforehand and he produced his tactics board which was nearly falling apart and I referenced this in the interview because it's bits of metal flying everywhere it's a really cheap bit of kit <laughs> but they can't bear to let themselves let it go because it has sort of a lucky omen status now and he said we'll only re- replace it when we've won some silverware and it got me thinking about this point of the season lucky charms things that people do that are really bizarre wacky out there because we all have superstitions, no matter how crazy they are. I want two to three examples from each of you uh, of what you've managed to find in football to do with lucky charms. Off you go, Kate Borsay. My first one is a lucky charm which has already paid off. And this was the decision by Cardiff's new Malaysian owners to change the blue kit to red. Because red is seen as lucky in Malaysia and a lot of Far Eastern Asian countries. And of course that that paid off massively. It was criticised at the time because they are the bluebirds. They play in blue. 
but it was a great good luck charm. It was as it was intended. Pele. Let's just throw Pele into the conversation. Now, uh, the legend uh, once dispatched a friend to go and find a fan that Pele had given his shirt to after the end of a game. He'd suffered a dip in form after giving the shirt, so he sent his friend off to try and find this shirt. Quite how the friend tracked the fan down is another matter. But the friend duly returned back to Pele and said, here you go, Gov. (laughs) Put this back on, as they do in Brazil. I don't associate Pele with dips in form. (laughs) So Pele puts the shirt back on and hurrah, his form returns. It was only much later that the mate admitted, of course, there was no way that he could find the shirt that Pele had given. He just gave Pele any old shirt and said, here you go, love. Try this back on for size. My third one is a chancellor. Yes, an actual politician-type chancellor person. How on earth could they be a lucky charm? Well, of course, footballers are often very insistent about particular people coming to games if they've had a good run of form. Your wag is a, is a common one. If a footballer's won five games in a row and their girlfriend's been there at every single game or their partner, they, of course, insist that they must come back again because they're quite a superstitious bunch, aren't they, footballers? Anyway, back to our chancellor. According to a spokesperson for the Germany international team at the Euros last year, Angela Merkel, the German chancellor, was their lucky charm. She's a fervent supporter of the national team, of course, and she worked, didn't she, until uh, Germany uh, hoofed out at the semi-final stage. Would you like to go next, Hayley, or would you like me? One is <laughs> Gary Neville. He works at Sky now, but when he was at Manchester United, he had so many superstitions that he had to start getting help. And he was saying, like his old good friend and teammate, David Beckham, who is very OCD and has admitted to that, that he'd just do some weird things. He said he will wear the same aftershave... If if he puts an aftershave on and they win, he thinks, oh, this smell reminds me of a win. This is this is how it's going to go. And of course, Manchester United being so successful so, for so many seasons, he was like, I can't change my aftershave. I've smelt of the same thing every single week for seasons. And I don't try all these different bottles and things that people buy me for Christmases and birthdays. There were so many others. The way he had his breakfast, um, the way he changed his boots, the way he puts his socks on, all those kind of funny things, underwear, absolutely everything to the point where he he had to stop it and the aftershave just kind of became his thing so he kind of narrowed it down to one <laughs> a couple of others just this for a story I'd never really um, heard of uh, this guy but the stadium is now named after him he was the famous Pisa president Romeo Anconitani And I just think this sounds funny. Um, Lots of people, superstitions, throwing salt over your shoulders. He'd throw salt onto the pitch at the um, Garibaldi Stadium, Arena Garibaldi, before every single game. And he would throw salt. The bigger the game, the more salt he would put on the pitch. He was a very colourful character. He died in actually 1999, but a real colourful character there uh, during the 80s. And they they loved him and thought he was really quite fun. Hence, they also named uh, the stadium after him after his passing. But any Anyway, Pisa faced their local rivals, Cesena, in a particularly important game. This is off the internet as well, by the way, but I have checked it to make sure it's right. He arranged for 26 kilos of of salt (laughs) to be thrown onto the turf until it looked like a beach. Another one, I can just, like, picture it. It's the physical kind of thing between players. Johan Cruyff, of course, one of the best players ever. He used to slap his Ajax teammate, Gert Balls, in the stomach before I get... Just slap him in the belly. There you go, big guy. One occasion, he forgot his gum. He used to like to um, chew gum and spit it out on the opposition side of the pitch. The one time he forgot his gum... He wasn't able to do this particular thing and Ajax lost 4-1. So he had to keep on doing it, yeah. 
That's why Fergie chooses gum, perhaps. He was a big cry fan. I'm going to actually go with John Terry for a similar reason that you went with Gary Neville, Haley, because he had so many, but I'm just going to narrow it down to one of the things that I love. Uh, listening to Usher in his car in the car park. So he listened to the same Usher CD before playing. Also, he apparently had lucky shin pads uh, for 10 years before losing them in an away game to Barcelona. I'm wondering which Barcelona game that was. And that wasn't very lucky, was it, losing them? Colo Torre is another one. Um, he insists on being the last player onto the pitch. This is very well known, this one. And it landed him in major trouble during the Champions League game between Roma and Arsenal when he played for them with Galas. Yeah, because William Galas was receiving treatment when they came back out after the break, but he wouldn't come out to play until Galas was back on the pitch. So Arsenal had to start with nine men rather than 11. Um, that got him in lots of trouble. And my final one, I loved this one. And this was an internet find, and I think it was on the same website that you'd looked at because it was Malvin Kamara at Sierra Leone International. He played, of course, for MK Dons, Cardiff City. You've had a mention in this podcast already, Port Vale. But rather than going through all his past teams, um, he watches the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory (laughs) before playing every game. And apparently, in quotation marks, it's because he calms his nerves and gives him luck. I want to go and watch that now. We'll hand over to our German correspondent for the next bit. We're having a round-up of all things Bundesliga, but also Champions League, because the German sides are doing so well. Uh, so to sum up everything, here's Simona Felsberger. Hi, I'm Darren Goff, and you're listening, believe it or not, to three gorgeous women talking about football. Now, football and women. I'll leave it with you. Hello. I don't really know where to start. It's been quite a few amazing football days here. Bayern Munich won the Bundesliga Championship. They are in the cup final playing VfB Stuttgart in Berlin and well smashed FC Barcelona 4-0 with a little help from the Hungarian referee. A match that certainly won't be forgotten and the media have responded like they have won the Champions League final already. Apart from that unexpected result, we were also shocked to see Bayern Munich's club president Uli Hoeneß cheering on the side as he has shifted millions of euros committing tax fraud using a Swiss bank account. He was the man everyone considered to be squeaky clean. The other big story is Mario Götze's transfer from Borussia Dortmund to Bayern Munich this July. The actual transfer again, apart from BVB's loss of an extraordinary good player, wasn't as bad as the fact this information leaked just a day ahead of the Champions League semi-finals. But that didn't stop BVB enchanting all of us German football lovers. They beat Real Madrid 4-1 with Robert Lewandowski scoring four goals. So he is up to 10 goals in the current Champions League tournament. So a big surprise and there is a great chance we will see two German teams in the final of Europe's greatest tournament. Talk to you next month for my last Bundesliga roundup of the season. The female take on football. Thank you very much, Simona. You can tell as well, because Simona's a Bayern fan. She is so chuffed at the moment. Uh, who'd have thought 4-0? Did anybody predict that? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. I mean, I had it down as an all-German final just for a bit of a fun bet, which would stand to land me a considerable amount of money. From the beginning, I thought Real Madrid were going to go and win it, but never in a million years 
did I think Barcelona could could lose a game in that manner and concede that many goals? I mean, it's just almost unheard of after their season. Well, you wonder now what's in store for Bayern Munich under Pep Guardiola. I mean, it's going to be huge. So well done to them. Uh, we'll move on to Twitter topic of the week before saying goodbye for another week. Um, and this week it was all in response to Luis Suarez and the big bike gate affair. Um, I asked on Twitter for our guys to just put out this week any awards, because because it's not right for Luis Suarez with a 10-match ban to be on the PFA Player of the Year shortlist. So we, we're scrapping him off that here at the Offside Rule podcast. But I'm thinking, what other awards should we award him instead? And we've had some great responses. So thank you very much. First of all, Jason Rumpen, who said, a hunger to win award, an offer, a draw, and I'll bite your hands off award, MTV Movie Awards for Best Reenactment Twilight. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that, That's yes. Good. Vampire theme. And best way to end the season early and head home awards. Well, they were brilliant, weren't they? Um, actually, what you don't know is that Heston Blumenthal's uh, won an award at his restaurant, uh, The Fat Duck. He's now serving Serbian arm. Oh. <laughs> very unusual yet tasty dish. Uh, Stuart Dawson said, being a complete idiot award. Uh, Keith Jackson said, the most often trended on Twitter award. That's pretty true. Mm-hmm. And Richard Buxton, a regular on the Offside Rule podcast, said, the Premier League triathlon, diving, handball and general controversy. Uh, Thank you very much for getting in touch. You will have another Twitter topic of the week you can engage with. uh, Just keep an eye on the Twitter podcast account. It's at Offside Rule Pod. We'll also let you know when this goes up. We're out every single Thursday to download via SoundCloud and iTunes. We'll bid you farewell for now and be back next week. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay.